This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Kylie Travers turns obstacles into opportunities. During a three-year period, Kylie lived through spousal abuse and a subsequent divorce. She was homeless, robbed of everything, including her underwear. She was temporarily paralyzed, had a cancer scare, and on top of all this, had to figure out how to support her two girls who had been diagnosed with learning disabilities and needed extra care which costs extra money. But Kylie didn't let any of this get her down. In that same three-year period, she was the speaker at the first FinCon conference in Chicago in 2011. She won Best International Personal Finance Blog at the Plutus Awards at FinCon in 2012 and 2013. Kylie runs her own successful business where she is consultant, influencer, ambassador, marketer, and is involved in charity work in Australia which led to her being named finalist for Young Australian of the Year in 2015. Kylie's written several personal finance books, which are available on her personal finance site called thethriftyissue.com.au and has a ton of free resources and blog posts at kylietravers.com.au. In July 2018, I traveled to Australia to join my wife, Kayla, who was doing a one-month exchange with the Sydney Hospital as part of her McMaster University medical training here in Hamilton. We already had plans to head to Melbourne for a weekend, so I reached out to Kylie, who lives there, and she agreed to meet me in Carlton Gardens to tell her inspirational personal finance story. Well, growing up, my dad was really open about finances and about the budget that they had. I remember him having this book, like I guess like a ledger, where he wrote down everything, like everything they spent, all his income coming in. Oh wow, okay. I knew from a young age exactly what he earned and when he got promotions and how much that was. Uh, we were given um, chores from a young age too, and so each chore had like a set amount that it was worth. Yeah, I remember when I was really, really young, uh, my older brother and sister didn't particularly want to do a lot of chores, and my younger siblings were a bit too young. So I'm like, I'll do heaps! Oh uh, yeah. I ended up earning more than my... Um, brother and sister who were you know my older brother's five years older than me yeah and my dad sort of even even then with our pocket money taught us how to budget and we had to pay tithing and so why why do you think you would be like i'll do that like what was the motivation at the time um, how was the motivation of money how old are you again oh this i think i was eight (laughs) okay Um, but you just knew money was like something you could do something with yeah that was it like money sort of gave freedom you had choices with money and because I think we weren't very wealthy, my family, okay. but uh, I had friends at school that were quite wealthy and they could do whatever they wanted and that sort of thing. So I remember like we had a catalog run um, or paper route from when I was really little. Like, yeah, I was eight and nine years old going around delivering newspapers and stuff. Yeah. And um, I was really bad at saving though. Like <laughs> I was always great at making more money. I could always generate more yeah. money, but it just was like water through my fingers. Well, what are, you spending? what are you spending money on? Oh, lollies. I was a fat kid. Okay. So, um, like, just whatever, 
Whatever you wanted. Yeah, because there was there was a little shop at the end of my paper route that I would go through and I'd stock up on lollies and junk and stuff Perfect. and then like scoff it all before I got home so I wouldn't have to share with my siblings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm but sure it's they mine. Would. Yeah, well, it's your money. Well, that's it. But they probably didn't care about that. No, they were doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> but we did it all at different times. I think, yeah, we were already sort of exposed to that. You knew that if I earn this money, I can buy the things that I want. Yeah. And so that mentality kept going a little bit. But did you, you remember getting other jobs as you're as you're growing up? Uh, or always. ability to make money? I was always looking for ways to make money. Okay. I remember when I was 12 or 13, because we, we had moved to Canberra by this time, and we went back to Tasmania to visit family. And I found this book in a second-hand shop there about ways to make and save money. And I was going, huh. And then I was looking at the real estate down there, and I saw this really cheap home near my grandma, and I um, went through this book, and I worked out exactly how I'd be able to pay the mortgage and everything. Whoa, okay. And I've approached my dad, and I've gone, oh, this is what I want to do, this is my plan, and, <laughs> and I just need you to go guarantor on the loan. And my wow. dad looks at me and he goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, but dad, I have the plan, I can do this, this is how I can do it, and here's all the different ways I can make money, and I know that so-and-so will pay me to do this, and... You know, I'm already babysitting and, and um, you know, next year I'll be old enough to work at uh, Woolworths, like the local supermarket. Okay. And he's like, well, what if you don't get a job there? And I was looking at him going, um, Uncle Glenn's like the head. Yeah. Of the, the, like, it's pretty much guaranteed. And, and Kane works there and, and Rachel works there and you got them jobs, you'll get me a job. And um, which is really horrible, entitled expectation. Well, like, yeah, yeah, like I'm going to get a job. You're going to make it happen, Dad. Yeah, and he was just like, no way, it's not going to happen. And... It's interesting because I look back now and I'm like, no way would I give my 13-year-old a mortgage and <laughs> co-sign a loan and stuff. I can see where he's coming well, that's from a, now. That's amazing that you came up with that plan. Yeah. So he said, he said no, and then, well, did you end up getting that job? Um, no. Oh, I did get the Woolworths job. Yeah. 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 I, but I didn't, I didn't. I went down and I filled out an application and I wrote on the bottom that I'm Kane's sister. And Kane, <laughs> my older brother, was yeah. a supervisor there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, two days later or something, my brother rings up and he's like, you're still looking for a job, yeah? I was like, of course. And he goes, yeah, the manager wants to see you. We're not actually hiring, but you're my sister, so come on in. I go, yay! <laughs> so they weren't even hiring. No, no. And then there was two other people there, and it was the same thing with them. Uh, one of the other girls, her friend, um, her dad was friends with the manager or something, so she turned old enough and she came in to get a job. And, yep. So, yeah, but I worked there for nearly two years. Okay. I still did the babysitting I did uh, sales for another friend at the same time and sort of earned commission. I just anything that came up, it, like whether it was cleaning or selling stuff or. Are you still spending the money though? No, no. Not at this point, so now you're saving for this mortgage that you. Well, well, I, <laughs> you... I bought a house in Sydney. I lived in Sydney for a while when I was married, and we bought a house there and that sort of thing. And now I, um, I live without debt. I don't even have credit cards anymore because I know that I'm an emotional spender. Okay. Okay. And I know that if I had a credit card, I reckon. I would have that maxed out. <laughs> so you don't you don't even keep one or, no, or pay I it off? No, I don't trust myself. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think do, they're how, great, and they're great for earning points and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But uh, my, my ex-boyfriend, I could see how he was with the credit card and how much debt he got into with it at different times and stuff. For sure. And I just go, I don't want that. <laughs> well, how do you control your spending of the money that's not in credit card, like the money in the bank? Do well, I have, have different accounts. Allocated? Okay. Yeah, I have different accounts, and I sort of have like one card that I'm allowed to spend on, most of the money that I earn now go, is through the business or whatever anyway, so I just have a set wage that I am paid. Okay, so, and you, so it's you pay yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I pay myself pretty low Sure. Um, for that reason. So you just need simple controls. Like if yeah. there's a control that says you get paid this and you'd That's have to it. go through a couple more steps to take more money out. That's it. If it's just all automated, it, sure. <laughs> it's, it's fine. And I make sure that like, you know, it's, there's um, stuff going into shares. I invest in shares regularly and that sort of yeah. thing. And so it's just, 
yeah, making sure that it's all automated and just, just not giving myself too much access to stuff that I don't really need. Most of the credit cards people that I know people use are using them to accumulate points and that sort of thing yeah. to travel with, which is great, but I get paid to travel. So I don't typically need the points anyways. Yeah, so you get paid sense, to so go like, and, and speak or, or do, yeah. uh, do, do go and write uh, media, and, yeah, for writing for media? Yeah, that's it. So I don't typically um, pay for my holidays and that includes bringing my daughters as well like we're going yeah. up to the Great Barrier Reef and stuff soon and that's my daughters and my sister are all um, going up together and yeah so, like so you now get paid to take all of them up yeah all four of us having so is this something you would negotiate then with the media or um, yeah sometimes like if I go they go of course yeah you have to you know yeah, leave much. them behind or anything yeah, yeah. Even, even some of my speaking gigs I've done the same sort of thing because uh, it really depends on if I can have somebody look after them or not, sure. or if it's really somewhere that I've wanted to take them, yeah. then I'll be like, well, th these are the conditions. Um, you know, it's the four of us coming up. This is what needs to be paid and this is what needs to be done. And yeah. Like and they would have reached out to you anyway. Exactly. So they would have so to abide done. by your terms. You're not asking, can I please come? No. 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 Have you ever, did you ever start doing that though? Yeah, I, I did. And I, I actually did it for a lot of other people too and had a great success rate of securing people, that sort of thing. But I've always, I think come from the point of really how can I provide them value yes sort of thing and I think because back in 2014 <clears throat> excuse me sorry I got selected to be part of a campaign in Canberra doing um, tourism stuff and I met a lot of other people that were working in, in doing similar sort of stuff and I learned a lot from that about what what tourism companies actually want okay, yeah, and yeah. how to approach them and not to be just like an influencer going to get a free trip That's right. as in what value can I provide what media connections do I have where am I writing and all that sort of stuff because I think I think a lot of hotels a lot of tourism companies and that especially are really jaded with getting hit up by influencers all the time yeah I'm hearing that a lot yeah they're even banning influencers yeah the one in Ireland I think yeah yeah right? no and more influencers which I understand because I've, I've worked with heaps and we've arranged influencer trips and that. And when we start looking into their engagement, uh, there's quite a few that got rather annoyed because they weren't as authentic. So they might have 100,000 followers, yeah. but like almost zero engagement. Exactly. Maybe they even bought some of those followers, well, that, right? That, there's that. And there's yeah. also, uh, they might not be, their audience might not be the audience that we're after. Good point. Whilst they might write about the topic or share the topic that would be relevant, mm -hmm. their audience might be like, for example, a lot of um, travel influencers that uh, we had apply for one particular campaign that we were doing that was amazing. Uh, when we looked into the, their audience, most of their audience weren't people that were ever going to purchase. They were people that were, it was more about inspiration for them sort of thing. Okay. Like they um, came from, um, it sounds awful, but like, you know, from countries that weren't going to be able to travel and view, checking out the other stuff so that they were just, doing and liking and that. It was inspiration yeah, for them. They're, yeah, yeah, they're we, not which actually going to do anything. Exactly. Yeah. And so we want to work with people that are clearly, you know, going to get them a return on investment for working with them. So but, this is what you're doing. Like this is today. You're you're traveling for free. You're you're you have your successful business. But let's just go back to how you got how you got there. So you you mentioned that you bought a house in in Sydney back in the, in the day. Yeah, yeah. And how early was that? Yeah, we got married in 2005 and bought it in 2006. Okay. And so yeah, we had both our incomes. Uh, it was really easy to get loans back then. You yeah. basically you didn't really need a what's deposit. A, what's a house like in 2005? Like how much would you pay in, in Sydney? We paid like 250,000. Okay. And what uh, what about, how compared to today? How is that possible? Uh, looking at where where we are where our house was and yeah. from what my friends and stuff have said and that sort of thing. It it's we weren't in a fantastic area so okay, it's not sure. hugely expensive. So it'll probably only be about half a million now. Okay. To, to buy which so, sounds bad. I mean the area I live I know. in now is a million dollars so it's Yeah. You know, exactly. Um, that's that's the the buy-in sort of thing and that's a crap house. Oh. 
for where I am. Yeah. And then we're moving next week and that's even more expensive where we're moving to. But it's so pretty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, no. and we're in we're in Melbourne right now. So, oh but, yes, sorry to clarify. But that. Yeah, but you're in Sydney. Yeah. And I mean, the, I'm sure the the real estate market is similar in terms of yes, the, yeah, the, yeah, they're quite, s- quite similar areas, like uh, downtownish or yeah, yeah, that's it. And and Sydney's a little bit more expensive. Uh, Sydney has really nice beaches and that sort of thing as well. Sure. You've got like Bondi and Manly and that sort of thing. And so those areas are quite high in demand. Uh, my preference is actually Melbourne, though. Melbourne, I think, is planned better. Okay. It's friendlier. It's cleaner. It's I, yeah, I, I mean, we, we were just in Sydney. This is, yeah, I mean, I've only been here for a day, but we, we, yeah. we saw penguins. I mean, yeah. the, the, you got the penguins. I, I know, yeah, you just go down to the pier and they're right there. And because and, and we're, only, we're only like, you know, a couple of hours from so many amazing things. Like you can go up to the Dandenongs and there's lyrebirds and everything there. The Great Ocean Road is with the 12 apostles and everything is just yeah, down the yes, road. I've heard about it's that. Like, I wish we had more time in Melbourne to see that stuff. Yeah, but. yeah. So Sydney, you have this house and mm. did you have to save up a down payment? Is it how we it have a little here? bit. We had a little bit, but when we were buying back then, the government gave us, I think it was $7,000 first homeowner's grant. Okay. You didn't have to pay stamp duty as a first homeowner. Um, what is the, that? Oh, stamp duty is like a tax, basically, that you have to pay okay. um, when you're buying a house here in Australia. Like, basically, like, for first home buyers back then, you got given money by the government, plus you didn't have to pay all the, the taxes and that sort of thing. Like sure, it was, okay. it was basically like, go buy a house, please go yeah, buy a house. Okay, so are encouraging homeowners. <laughs> yeah, heavily, yeah. heavily. Okay. And, and so we didn't have to have a heap. We were both working at the time as well. And so I think it was, yeah, a lot easier. We had a small, small amount, but not nowhere near what I would have been more comfortable with. And then were you, you were able to pay that off, or no, no? no. So we we ended up getting divorced and stuff, and I so see. it got it got sold. But we I made a profit, and um, so when you sold it uh, as part of the divorce, uh, you were able to you get half. Is that how it works? And a little bit more than half because he kept his super. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then and super uh, just. Briefly explain what super. Oh, is. sorry, super. <laughs> yes. Remember, you're the you're the first uh, Australian interview, so you're going to be explaining a lot of this. Stuff. I keep I keep forgetting that it's the, okay. the language it's okay. is so different. It's a retirement fund, so yeah. superannuation in Australia is is compulsory. Okay, uh, so your yeah, employer that's, pays ten percent. Interesting thing. I I've heard that. So yeah, so it's compulsory. Yeah. Uh, you have to put in how much? Well, your employer, as as part yeah. of your your wage in that, puts in nine point five percent. So say you earn sixty thousand dollars, yeah. they have to put on nine point five percent on top of that. Okay, like so your wage will be sixty thousand. So it doesn't Usually. come out of your doesn't wage? Come out of your wage. Interesting. No. no um, okay. Although, like, some of sometimes uh, in job applications and that, they'll say it's including super. But Interesting. It, it's 90% of the time it's plus super. So it's, that's your, that's your um, income plus superannuation, and then there's other benefits depending on your job, obviously. But uh, yeah, and so they pay that. But depending on your wage, I have to check the amount, but if you're on a lower income, then uh, the government has a co contribution scheme that they've had for a while i think they might be phasing really? it out i have to check but yeah whereas you you put in an amount and they sort of match it so and you get tax concession concessions for contributing to your super and that so sort of thing. it's it's uh you're not contributing anything to this unless no. it was included in those yeah. rare cases as you said and then the government might match it depending oh, on they'll your... match it if you contribute extra oh if you contribute, yeah, okay, so, so your employer how will much pay extra an amount. can you contribute i think you, you contribute up to like 500 or a thousand or 1500 it depends on what wage you're on yeah. i haven't looked at this for so ages then, so i'm explaining it badly of course. no 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 we're just getting the basics here don't worry yeah. about it but, it but it depends on yeah what your income you have to be on a lower income for the government to match so, it of course like that. so yeah. if you don't have a high wage and the percentage is not that high yeah. then in, in implying that even if you did the maximum you wouldn't ever get a good retirement fund yeah. Yeah. and this is um, is there a good, is there a government uh, old age sort of uh, there, supplement as well? There is, there's retirement? the age pension. Okay. Uh, however, 
they keep bumping up the age for which you'll be eligible for it. Okay, where is and it And the now? age at which you can retire. I think it's 70. Yeah, now, so that's you, where we're at in Canada. Yeah. 71 is, uh, is when you have, well, when you, 65 is when you can sort of start getting it. Yeah. But we, 71 is when you have to switch it all over. Right, yeah. We, we used to be, it used to be 65 that you could, you could access it. But you and can't even do that now. No, they, even... they've changed it. I think it depends on the age a little bit so like those that are heading towards retirement now I think there's a little bit of leeway or there was when they were starting to bump it up bump it up when they were doing it I, I actually got really really annoyed because for um, indigenous Australians okay uh, males their average lifespan was 69 years old mm-hmm. and so when you can't actually access the government pension until that after is, your age that is very strange yes I thought that was really harsh of, of the government to that do is that harsh. that's yeah and I just thought hmm and because there's you know discrepancy in age age expectancy like life expectancy and that sort of thing for various reasons yeah. but yeah that particular statistic really annoyed me that um, mm-hmm. that's how it would be I just thought we've already done so that's many a good bad point, things right? that why that's... are we retiring at a, at a time when I mean okay I guess I guess now a lot of people are, are living to 80 yeah. something 90 even yeah. or older it's more likely but the average I mean I haven't looked at average life expectancy lately but it's yeah. probably in the 70s still. yeah yeah well that's it that's it it's it's not much longer like across than, the board yeah you sort of get, get your retirement or whatever and I mean ultimately they sort of do that so that our generation will really plan heavily and make sure that we have yeah. retirement savings and okay. that. And even the 9.5 that the employer puts in, yeah. realistically, isn't going to give you a comfortable... It doesn't, um, eh? No. So no. you have to do stuff on the side yeah. or, or add in your own... Oh, plan, uh, plan like accordingly. Like, yeah. You know, a lot of Australians... Australians love real estate. That's been, been okay. the thing that Australians so property have property is a big thing. Big, yeah, a lot of... Um, particularly like mom and dad investors, they call them. Or like sure. Typically, it's encouraged to have a second house as sort of like your um, really? superannuation backup. Yeah, but interestingly enough, the property market hasn't performed as well as the share market in Australia for the okay. last 100 years. You would have been better putting your money in shares. Is that true? Yeah. I don't so, know if that's the same th- case in Canada. No. I, I feel like people have gotten some pretty high returns in real estate. Yeah. Oh, they definitely have yeah. been. But like but the statistic over, average on a, overall. On an average. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know that stat. That's, I, I, I've never really compared. Like it... You'd have to get in really early in, in the market to have, like, if you have a house. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if it's, like, that's, it just seems like a strange thing. Like, I have a house in 1950, and then, yes. but it'd be the property and probably rebuilt and rebuilt. But. Well, well, this is where, where, where I'm living right now. It's a much older suburb, mm. and that's the thing. A lot of the people that uh, bought here bought here years ago, and they're sort of, like, dying off, which sounds awful, going to retirement homes or, or whatever. And because their homes need a lot of maintenance um, where I'm at and there's damp issues and that sort of thing. But they're selling for 1.3 million, 1.8 million, and you still have to put in $100,000 to fix it up. Oh, and still. half of them are heritage listed, so there's specific things that you can and can't do in terms of the renovations okay, and that sort yeah. of thing as well. But, um, but I look at it, I've just gone, wow, so many of those people, if they had you know, sold it you know, in the last couple of years instead and enjoyed some of their life. Like, they would have had a million dollars to enjoy their life with. I know. Yeah, but they bought it back years ago for next to nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's one of mm. those things that we don't really realize what we have until, no. you know, like you buy That's some it. Apple stock and you sell it a couple of years later. Oh, and you, know, don't, it hurts so and much. you don't know. And, just, and that some people have, but you don't, you don't know. No, you, you can't know. You don't, you don't realize that. No. So is there a minimum down payment for a house? Uh, it's recommended you have 20%. Yeah. Um, that will mean that you will avoid lender's mortgage insurance. Okay, that's, we have a similar thing yeah, in Canada. Yeah, so same yeah. sort of thing. So, uh, 20%. And it depends on the lender. Some lenders will allow you to, to do it with 5% or 10%. Yeah. But it really is better if you have 10 to 20% at least. Yeah, um, okay. You'll avoid all the fees when you're at 20%. Or you can get somebody to go guarantor on the loan, such as your parents, and okay, they put so they their house up as equity. And Even on a, uh, on a mortgage uh, for, uh, for a home. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 I, I, I look yeah. at that and I'm like, that's terrifying. Because I've done a lot of writing and a lot of work in finance. <laughs> well, 
I trust my Eventually. older child. I don't know if I trust. No, I'm kidding. You got a, you got a couple of years. <laughs> That's uh, it. I got plenty uh, of time. Until, uh, so they're nine and nine and ten. Nine and ten. Said. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the girls. So yeah. So let's go back. So mm-hmm. you're in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, you sell your house yep. as part of the divorce. Yeah. And then you got the girls. Yeah. And so you have you have a nice chunk of change then uh, kind of, to work yeah. with. Yeah. But yeah, how, like, how are you making money at this point? How are you making money when Sorry. you were living in the house? Yeah. Step back a little. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. Yeah. We separated. Uh, we originally were in Australia. You have to be separated for one year and yeah. a day before you can one divorce. One year and a day. Okay. Uh, before you can apply for a divorce, sure. and then you have to go through the court process. Uh, so we had separated. We were living in the same home to begin with, and it got it just got too dangerous for me to, to live oh, yeah. there. So, and so it, was, it was abusive. It was abusive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the girls and I had to leave. So I was renting elsewhere, and he had the house. Yeah. And I kept trying to push the sale, push the sale of the house. Of but it, there was renovations of the kitchen that which hadn't been finished, and so he oh. was putting off putting doing the renovations and. It was getting really, really messy. And then I um, actually got robbed of everything, including my underwear. So I had, I had nothing. Okay, so you're in your rental place. and Robbed of... You just, yep. you know, somebody breaks in yep. or whatever. Within a week of living there, somebody broke in and stole all my personal belongings. So everything from my bedroom and bathroom And these were, like, gone. what's the value of this stuff? Probably not even that much, right? No, well, you would... Uh, I, I had you an extensive jewelry collection. Okay, you had that, okay. My, my sister-in-law but is the, a jeweler. But the so. underwear and everything? Well, the like, underwear was really rare. But when, when we added it up... Um, the, and the police found it rather amusing. I had about four and a half thousand dollars worth of lingerie because when I'd left, really? my, well, yeah, really? I know, I know. But could they can they resell this? Uh, well, some of you can actually, and what? there's quite a market for um, used underwear. It sounds awful. That does sound but, awful. But yeah, but no, the particular brands that I had, I regularly see on eBay and, and stuff like that. There, really? Yeah, they're they're quite nice. Yeah. So you had all of this yeah. like valuable. Yeah. Well, I left him, and that was one of the things that I kind of did because I wasn't allowed to wear lingerie during my marriage, and so I, I had to dress very plain. It was, it was, he was quite controlling. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I left, I was just going, oh, I can do whatever I want. And I hadn't paid four and a half thousand dollars for all this stuff. But when we added it all up, I was just like, oh my gosh. And so that alone, and then um, the clothes, the few clothes that I did have, again, were about 300, were $300 a dress and resell okay, really yeah. well. And the shoe collection that I had as well. But I was a real bargain shopper. Like I always got this stuff like you got dirt good, cheap. You got good deals. Yeah. And so, so you had like an investment. These were your investments. Could have been. <laughs> this was your savings almost. So, well, well that was it. And, and, and it, it all went. It yeah, all, it was all stolen. Oh. And so, um, so I had, I had nothing. Yeah, we had to move again. And then my daughters and I actually ended up homeless for a while because my ex-husband was stalking us and all this sort of stuff. So during this time specifically, when I had a home or had somewhere I was buying stuff to resell and books went, did really, really well, some okay. clothing because I knew what brands to look for. And I lived in a lower economic, um, socioeconomic area. And so the secondhand shops had a lot of really nice branded clothing for really cheap. And then I'd chuck it on eBay and sell it for, you know, buy it for $2, sell it for 50 type thing. So you're making money from arbitrage. Yeah. Now, and with, you kind of learned this when you were younger, it sounds like. Yeah, right, that's By it. being a, kind of an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so this is where you went, where you're like, I need money, I That's need it. money fast. That's it. And I also had my blog at the time. I did yeah, have a okay. blog at the time, and I was personal, writing about that. personal blog? Or? Yeah, uh, personal finance. So I'd set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. Okay. And I had started that in my marriage, and I was writing about it and, and that sort of thing. So I had that. I did have a book already published with Wiley. Okay. And so I was getting, like, there was some royalties sort of thing. They're not, not huge, but So how did enough. you get this book deal if we go back? Okay, there? so yeah, if we go back in further. <laughs> so you, so th- this is during, like, while you're married and stuff? You, yeah, so I was about 25, and yeah. I... I decided I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. Okay. And I started blogging about ways to make and save money, which wasn't a big thing here in Australia like it was in the US. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, then, I guess um, so, eh? I was an attendee for a conference and an acquisitions editor from Wiley um, was checking out the attendees' blogs and saw an article that I'd written and asked me to turn it into a blog, um, into a book. And I thought it was spam. 
Like, sure, I yeah, totally yeah. did not trust it at the time. And I'm of like, course. No, no, no. And my sister's like, they're not asking for money. Just check it out. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then it turned out to be legit. And so, yeah. So I um, published this book with them back in 2011. Did you get paid for the book or was it yes, just... Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I got an advance and all that sort of stuff. Okay, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All of that. And then I renegotiated the rights to it back a couple of years ago because uh, I wanted to change it and edit it and all that sort of stuff, which I still haven't done yet, but I really didn't like it being out there anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so because so, uh, things are different. You exactly. Would, you would, uh, yeah. Like it means like Bebo. Today? Um, okay. <laughs> it was yeah. like really dated is what it felt like. And a lot of what was in that book I write about on the thrift issue and stuff anyway, so it wasn't really... And maybe just mention your websites oh, real quick. Yeah, so, so I, I own a few, but the, yeah. the, my favourite one is called The Thrifty Issue, and it's the, .com.au. Thriftyissue.com.au. Yeah, because it's yeah. Australian, and I have kyletravis.com.au. Okay, yes. are the two main ones. That, yeah, so I'll, yeah. I'll put those links oh, okay. in, the, in the show notes. But yeah, yeah and and at the time, though, was that... Uh, was that the website you were writing? No, on? no. And I was, I was writing mostly... Uh, no. I, it redirects to Kylie Travis because oh, okay. it was under my married so we'll, name. So we won't mention yeah, it. So yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I had that and I was asked at the time too to be a finance mentor for this um, working mums group sort of thing and to speak at different events. And like that was all paid as well. And I was like, okay. And it, but it felt awful because I was homeless and I'm going in to talk about money, like ways to make and save money. And yeah. then going back well, to... Because of your circumstances, not because of your exactly. mismanagement uh, exactly. of money. Well, what, like, what was your... Were you not working? You were, you were just... Well, like, I couldn't mom. work. I couldn't work because I had the, I had the two girls. One yeah. was in preschool, um, but the government preschool was only two and a half hours a day. Okay. And they both uh, had been diagnosed with learning disabilities. So they okay. required a lot of speech therapy and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so um, between that... And then there was all the court issues and stalking issues from my ex-husband. So yeah, work wasn't possible. Yeah, no time. No. You take. Uh, you got to take care. Of, take care of this. So you had to, you, by necessity, you had to figure out how to make money in yeah. like little chunks. Yeah. Like yeah. whenever you had. When I could grab some time. Passively, to do it. if possible. Exactly. And so you were focused on that. And you got into blogging early. Yeah. Like relatively to the rest of the, you yeah. know, where we're at now. Like oh, know, yeah. there's a million blogs today, and uh, there's a million ways to people write about making money on All blogs. But like, what, what was the first year that you like started blogging? End of 2009. 2009, when yeah. when I started my first one. Yeah, I look that... back and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and in Australia, it's even earlier it was, than the rest of it. Yeah. Like, how many, I don't know how many personal finance like, There's There's blogs. more now, uh, and there's a lot more um, financial advisors and that sort of thing sure. that have their own blogs and podcasts and whatever as well. Um, so I don't know how many there is now, but back when I started, I was pretty much it. There was a couple yeah. of old white guys that did did some blogs that were yeah. really boring exactly um, but yeah i was kind of it and i sort of searched for for more and didn't find a lot and then i came across fincon and so yeah went over, over so your that first fincon uh, which is 2011 uh, the original uh, personal finance conference the first one first one i went and to the first you, one i spoke at it I where, spoke at where it. was it was it in Houston? chicago oh, chicago chicago okay. yeah chicago was the first one i went to the second one that was in denver i think Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I missed the third because of issues. But that so was the fourth. So you've been going to FinCon since the, the beginning. I'm an I just went to my first one last uh, yeah. in, in November, and then going back to Orlando this year. It's like you know, fifteen hundred plus people now. It is now, yeah. It was so, like three hundred at the so first one. So many speakers. <laughs> yes. And it's not because they're trying to fill time or anything. So many people have awesome stories. That's it. There's <laughs> like, such value from it. it doesn't yeah. matter what you go to at FinCon. Like all of it has there's amazing some, value. There's something. There's all these different categories of things. Exactly. And and uh, what did you speak on originally? Uh, so the first one was going from blog to book. Okay. Uh, that was my first one. The yeah, because everyone one. wants to know how to publish a book. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like you got one just thrown at you, though. I did, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's because you had a well, blog. because I had a blog, and, and I sort of, like, I gave details about, like, dealing with the publishers and negotiating and um, from memory, and uh, also, like, what publishers are looking for sure. in, in that sort of sense. Because even though, like, I got it basically thrown at me, I had a lot to do with other authors, and the publishers explained a lot how, how this is not 
normal. The way we've yeah. done it with yeah. you is not how we normally do <laughs> so it. So they kind of went through the process yeah. with you. Yeah. And yes, I was aware of yeah, how so it should you're, be. And so you're able to give sort of concrete advice. Yeah. Because like you just got to have content out Absolutely. there first. Absolutely. And, yeah. and unique content, right? Yeah. Is that the, is that the key? Yeah, that's the thing. And they, they most publishers want you to have your own platform because basically the publisher isn't going to do a whole lot for I heard you. Most that. They of don't them. really promote much, do they? Not really. No, they expect you to kind of have your marketing plan and your connections and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But it's, I think, especially in Australia, it's that credibility of being published with a proper publisher versus self-publishing okay. that that is it but most of the people now who have really good platforms or great followings or whatever do much better just self-publishing like some of our um, top selling authors yeah. self-published it's easier so now it's, yeah, right yeah yeah but, it's I mean, so much that easier was like with, seven years with ago, Amazon years and, and yeah and just you know, even just having if you have a website absolutely like, and you have traffic you can publish an ebook that's and it there's so many easy ways to do that like, yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't think like the I, I feel like the publishing thing sh- shouldn't be uh, a bottleneck for people no. anymore no it should be it's like if you want to write, like, write your book, yeah, <laughs> and then you figure out how to get it out, like, yeah. after. And there's there's so much information on marketing out there now. Yes, yeah, so and much. Communities like FinCon are so supportive of each other, and if you know somebody publishes, then everybody's sort of true. sharing and everybody, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's like you know finding those right communities for your niche, and yeah, just being I think to being really authentic and open and clear. And whenever I've done stuff, I sort of I try to think about what solutions. I'm providing what problems my readers might have that I'm going to solve okay. and that sort of stuff. And it makes it really, really easy. So the last few things that I've done have actually been eBooks instead of properly sure. like, published books. And they've done great. And the news has picked them up. And, and how like, do you and, sell them? Just on the website? Yeah, just on the website sort of thing. Yeah, I keep meaning to put them on Amazon and I've been really lazy. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, like, and then, yeah, and the media companies approach me to um, have it on the news or on Sunrise or whatever. I haven't had to pitch it to them. Just it's nice to already it's, be part of the infrastructure. Exactly. And that only happened because you got into it early. Yeah, yeah, Because that's it. you had this entrepreneurial way yeah. about you to get started. Yeah. But now I can't see you making tons of money right away from the from the arbitrage and, no. and the blog. And the blog. No. When did the blog? I, I, okay, the book. Did the book start making money? Or, well, the or? advance was nice, okay, but we yeah. at the time, I when I got the advance, I was still married, and he wasn't working, and so I had to use it to pay the mortgage. Of course, sort of thing, so you're so paying. So, like, so you're not working, and he's not working. There, were, there was a period of time, yeah. There was that wow. we were in our marriage that we were both not working. Okay. Yeah. And then you had the two girls. Yeah. Yeah. We wow. had the two girls. We already had the girls at the time. So yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, that so was, now, now, like you can't even now you're just on your own and you just got to mm. start hustling. Yeah. And so how do you make, how do you make the blog grow? Like I left after my first FinCon. Yeah. And so I had sort of established all those connections there. And, um, I had, I think it's Crystal from Budgeting and the Fun Stuff. Okay. Uh, she had a company that was doing sponsored posts and that. So I let her know. I'm like, I need whatever you can get me. Sure. I need sponsored posts. Okay. And she did that. And I sort of just reached out to everybody. And I was like, whatever I can get, I, I will do whether it's writing, whether it's you on know, your speaking, site or their site or how, how whatever. Yeah, I was I was open to whatever. So I continued to blog, and then I also at this time started to share a little bit about what was going on in my personal life yes. because the blog was under my um, my name, and sort of sharing a little bit about the, the struggles in that. And then I had a lot of charities that wanted me to sort of connect with them and that sort of thing. And and so it was 2011. I went to the first first FinCon, yes. and so and I started getting some freelance writing contracts and that. It was early 2012 that I left my um, now ex-husband. Well, we, we separated. Late 2012, I won Best International Personal Finance Blog um, at the Plutus Awards. Okay. And that's when things got really dangerous with my now ex-husband, and I had to find a new place, and then we lost everything. So, my yeah, girlfriend okay. and that. That's the, kind of the worst. Yeah. This is your, bo- your rock bottom. That's it. And terms. that was sort of yeah. like Christmas, around Christmas time. And then it was after that, 13th 
that we ended up homeless for a while and in mid in mid 2013 I got to move back to Canberra and that's when everything started to pick so, up again. So and it starts going to... up from there and yeah. it's because your exposure with FinCon and you, yeah. you are well you already had a, a book yeah. so you, uh, you know, books tend to legitimize yeah, us as it. well right and, that's it. That's and you're writing and uh, you have this content that's sort of building on the yeah. internet so you you have probably good SEO in terms yeah. of Australia for oh, personal yeah. finance or even yeah. internationally at this point yeah. and you're just putting yourself out there that's the Absolutely. main thing right yeah. and I think that's, that's probably the biggest challenge for most people it is I get asked about that a lot and I was like well in my mind I had no choice I had to get out there I had to do this because I had to provide for the girls yeah. and I didn't I couldn't really see any other way to be able to provide for them because I couldn't go to work and yeah so I sort of I just I did I did everything that I could and then when we arrived in Canberra I decided to start volunteering at um, a homeless shelter and then that sort of catapulted everything I had a lot of charities that wanted me to work with them and then okay yeah it was the following year that I founded a, a marketing company and that sort of thing so it all sort of like flowed on marketing company you're helping people you're trying to teach them how to get the word out there and what you're doing like try well it, it, so, it kind of was, so it, it was founded because I had government agencies and businesses and that wanting to be connected with influencers and influencers wanting to I be see. connected so with them. I see. So you're the you're the connector. Yeah. 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 And so I found it. I sold it last year actually, but uh, I had yeah, and then I had government departments were wanting us to do training on social media and a lot of people wanting us to do workshops and speaking and all that sort of stuff. And so okay. it, um, it was founded without really a decent business plan, I don't think. And then uh, within a year of founding it, I actually ended up paralyzed and had to have some surgeries and all that sort of stuff. Wow, so I, how, I, like how? From stress? Yeah, or? yeah, it was stress. Wow. Yeah, at the time they I couldn't mean, work it out. There's a lot had going on at once. <laughs> I don't know how you got through all of this stuff. But. I know, and it's funny because I sort of go, and this happened, bang, 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 and people were just like, all at once. hold up, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a lot. It was all within, within five years. Um, I, I sort of had the worst things that you could have happen. And in the middle of that too, I had... Um, I tested positive for the cancer that my mother died from, and so I had to go in and have an wow. uh, operation for that. And thankfully, like they removed like there, some polyps. Like a that tumor, was, or yeah, polyps. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and it was it was benign, but I have to go in and have annual surgery because of like this condition type thing. And so that yeah, there was all of that all happening, and so I couldn't focus as much on the business as I wanted. As much. And then yeah, <laughs> at and then, all. I know. Well, I, I know. I mean, it's still, it was still going, and we're still. I was still doing heaps of speaking, and most people had no idea my health issues at the time. Well, because you didn't have a choice, right? No. No. And, and I think that this is a re- this is a really good lesson, right? People are just you know sitting around, and because they don't have a lot of motivation, mm. maybe they have not a lot of costs, so they don't have any urgency. Yeah. And you know, all you got to do is light a little fire. Yeah. And is this where you you coach people on uh, how I, to? How I to have make money online and stuff. Yeah, right? I, I have done it a bit. I really scaled back doing a lot of the the coaching type stuff. I do do one on one sessions. It's more. I often get asked. Yeah. Um, people want to pick my brain. Sure. Type thing, and I'm like, uh, over yeah, coffee. Right. yeah, exactly. So I do pick my brain <laughs> Let's sessions. Grab coffee. <laughs> and I'm like, this is my fee, and I yeah. do that. But I do I do probably more speaking more than anything at the moment. What's a typical speaking engagement these days for you? Like, what are you going to speak about? There's three topics that okay. I typically get asked to speak at. So how to turn obstacles into opportunities. Yes, which there is, you go. Which you know, is what we're saying Basically, now. What, yeah. what I've done and how I've done all that. How to market on a shoestring budget sure. type thing. So with no money. And then um, I have a lot of uh, like libraries and that that want me to come speak on ways to make and save money. Okay. Yeah, so it's the three. Do you speak about recovering or surviving these events that happen in your yeah, life? Yeah, that, that's Is sort that of always included in the it? how to turn obstacles into sure, opportunities. Sure, the obstacles and opportunities. Yeah, I think I saw um, a video of you speaking at a, what was it, um, the reframing of the, the wife beater? Oh, uh, yes. What, what was yeah. that exactly? Because I only got a gist of it. Was yes. that an organization here? So that's a, that's a charity that was in Canberra. Uh, 
that they sort of started there, I don't think it was really expressed that well. The idea of it was basically around the language that we use. Sure, absolutely. Really has yeah. a lot to do with it. And the term wife beater, you know, for indicates tank, uh, for tank, tank tops. tops, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's and, a tank we, top. and it's, it's in lore everywhere. I didn't know if it was popular yeah. here, but yeah, apparently yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and in North America, absolutely. Yeah. And nobody thinks about what you no, know what they're saying the when they say it. it. And exactly. And yeah. it is kind of terrible when yeah. you think about it because. That's it. Yeah, yeah, like that's a, a wife beater is a person. That's it. And so it was trying to re people. reframe that, yeah. yeah. But it, it's funny, though, because in Australia, too, the uh, they chose to use blue singlets for the campaign. Okay. But it's typically the white yeah, singlet that, that is it, the wife beater. Yeah. And in Australia, the blue singlets were often referred to as blueies because it, that's what the shearers would wear is the blue okay. singlets, not, not typically. And so, yeah, there was a few things that I could. But I did, I did like um, being part of that campaign, and I shared uh, some of my story in that uh, their opening, and I was in a bit of media and stuff for, for and them. The things that, that the things that you say or call things actually mean, yeah. you know, they can have some impact, right? Yeah, and that's so it. So let's reframe, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, being really conscious of our wording because our, how we speak dictates our actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, so you're speaking about about all this stuff, and mm. you're speaking about personal finance, how to save money, yeah. like budgeting, that kind yeah. of like. So are you trying to? Because that's not like that's just part of uh, of what you do is yeah. uh, personal finance writing. Was that like were you what were you writing about early early on? Was it what was the book what was the book about? Three hundred and sixty five ways to make money. It's always okay. been finance so that the, I've written about. So the personal finance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but now that you've done a whole bunch of different things like the obstacles and stuff, mm. you're able to write about various things. Yep. Personal finance was always your core. Yeah. Yeah, and and why why is that? Uh, I think because it kind of came easy, I it guess. It was always in a something sense. for you. Yeah. Money was always a yeah. thing. And yeah. it was just it was easy for me to sort of turn more complex things into really easy to understand posts you know things around tax and superannuation and all of that for Australians yeah. and it, it just came easy to me and I found it interesting it was something that I really enjoyed researching and reading and writing about and I think also because dad was so open about money and I mean one of, the, one of the books that was always on our bookshelf was like The Richest Man in Babylon books like that were mm -hmm. always really readily available in our house and then my older brother, he works for the Australian tax department. Other siblings have worked in banking and all of that. So conversations around the dinner table were always around finance and that sort of thing. Like it's, it's almost like it's a family thing. Okay, yeah, so that's good. So I think just being brought up that way means that's one of my dominant interests. Yeah. Yeah, but, but not in... And I think the other thing is because I've done it in not a greedy way, if that makes sense. It's just very open and casual and... Yeah, that accessible, sort of which is what yeah. people need, right? Yeah, and that's like, it. And like you said, a whole bunch of books by boring white men, <laughs> right? I mean, how... Yeah, that's predominantly what it's been. And yeah, when I was searching for stuff, especially in here in Australia, there wasn't many women that were writing or talking about finance. Yeah. And I remember when we got, um, I think it was Gail Kelly became CEO of Westpac, which is one of the banks. Yeah, here. yeah. And I that was that a big one. deal because she was female and all that yeah, sort of it's stuff. Amazing. And it was just like, yeah, there's not as finance has always been a male dominated industry, but particularly old white male. Yeah, like, and I'm noticing, yeah. uh, you know, when I did the research for this, uh, mm. coming to Australia, who am I going to interview? <laughs> I noticed that there were uh, a bunch of women at the top, there is now, which yeah. is nice, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, let's talk to them yeah. because the white men have got a lot, <laughs> enough press already, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just one of those things. And, and it's interesting, like, yeah, your dad was always very open with money. Mm. But was there any ever, was there ever any gender issues, like, in terms of, like, this, you have to manage the money because uh, the man or the woman? like growing up or it was Tasmania right yeah it was Tasmania now, which Tasmania does get a little bit of a reputation of being <laughs> sort of in the past a little oh. bit uh, you know <laughs> catching up uh, today Hannah Gadsby yeah. talks about yeah. uh, 
uh, homosexuality was illegal until uh, yeah. 96? Yeah. That- yeah. So I moved, I moved to Canberra at the end of 96. Oh, wow. Right, from Tasmania. Okay. And I remember my first day at school and meeting people and that. And then at lunchtime, we saw each other again and they ran up and they hugged me. And I'm like, get off me. So like, you, so what is you, this? Because I was raised that way. But I was always raised Mormon. So you had that. Oh, okay. And so okay. it was double and you were level Mormon of, well. So yeah. Mormon and homosexuality is illegal. Legal and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, wow. it was really, it was full on. And so I had a very, I look at my upbringing as almost being 1950s, even though it was sure. 80s that I sort of grew up. Yeah, like I, I was born in the 80s. Decades behind in Tasmania. Way behind, yeah. With, with everything and TV and stuff. And people laugh. And it's it's funny because when I when I talk about stuff a lot of the time, I tend to get along with older generations a lot more hmm. because a lot of the concepts that I was raised with <laughs> You're are more dear to them than my own. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. But, um, but it's interesting. Like my parents were married very young. My mom was 17. My mm-hmm. dad was 18. And I think they just naturally fell into the roles where dad dad was working because mom was pregnant yeah. and had the kids straight away sort of thing. And so dad was working and providing. And so he did the budget and that. But mom was really, really good with, um, you know, she cooked, she sewed, she preserved things, you know, real yeah. like Southern woman um, is what would be considered <laughs> well, in the States, very real country woman. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think together they had a really good combination. And then sure. when my mom passed away, I was 15 because she was sick with cancer for a few years. Okay, and that. yes. And when dad remarried, uh, my stepmother uh, had been a single mother for, for a few years and was, you know, quite capable and independent and amazing raising four kids on her okay, own anyway. So she anyway. was, so she was independent. independent. Yeah. And so I think them trying to learn their, get their the footing there was different there. To, yeah. to what my, my parents had. But they, they sort of fell into the dad had the house and takes control of the finances sort of thing. And they do very well together. I mean, they've been married since I was like 16. So that's, what, 17 years or something they've been married Mm. or something like that. So they've been married almost as long as my mom and dad were. But it was interesting because my older siblings kind of went down that path as well, where my my brother and his wife, my brother's in charge of the money and and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I I didn't like that. Like, I was in a very controlling marriage. So when I left, it was like, never going to happen again. So you did fall (laughs) into that pattern. A little bit, yeah. I mean, other than the fact that he was controlling, did you sort of just accept uh, early on? Well, yeah, uh, you were supposed to be submissive to your husband. Yeah. You know, I had the kids, so I was supposed to stay at home or whatever and, and that sort of thing. And he also worked shift work, so it was next to impossible for me to work properly anyway okay. and I was just expected to have a lot of children because well Mormon Tasmanian he was Polynesian and so he's one of seven kids his dad's one of 14 his grandma's like one of 25 like you, you reproduce like that's, yeah, that's that's your job this is what you do okay. that's your job and I have wider hips so I have birthing hips is what I've been told regularly <laughs> they're wow. like you've got that figure so how to dare just, you do anything like, else exactly wow just, okay yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting perspective yeah and so and I think too because of the upbringing that I've had this is actually something I've discussed with friends recently was that I always I always fell into that. So even when I started dating again after my marriage and all of that, and um, I was partnered for a while, mm-hmm. that was the roles that we sort of fell into. Not not so much with finance. We yeah. very much kept our finances separate, although we were but pretty casual. But just the dominant and submissive role kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like right? I did all the cooking and the cleaning, and I took care of the kids, like everything with the kids, roles. and did all of that. Yeah, and, and I was still working. I was still running my business and all of that, but it's impossible to run... A business properly when you're doing absolutely everything and then also taking care of somebody else's like That's another it. adult's needs and everything and I've just gone <sighs> and like, do, do you feel like Australia is uh, making progress in that in terms of the equality a little in some ways and then there's significant backlash in other ways and yes. then we, we have a lot of problems where we've got almost two women a week are being killed by domestic violence or by their still. partner sort of thing still exactly wow. and I sort of look at those sorts of things and there's a real divide and it's I think it's almost become really difficult because it's almost like men don't really have a place as such. Like it's not that really clearly defined what each other's roles are. And so I think we're trying to find our place in how we're going to work together equally, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Like they don't 
they're well, they're identified in the role that they know now and they don't have anywhere else to go well it's almost like so with my you know really backwards upbringing in tasmania yeah. i think australia in general was kind of a bit behind in terms of equality and that sure. and still still is in many ways and so i think there was always that idea that the man took care of everything and you know and, this is how it is okay, and he's in charge of all know. that sort of stuff and you know very and that's where your you know masculinity comes from or whatever and now there's that massive shift and there's a lot more women in leading roles and yes. women don't they don't want to be told what to do anymore or anything like that and so i think a lot of men who've grown up with really i'm thinking bogan but I don't think that's like trailer park trash. If okay, that makes sense. Okay, that, um, that's what that means. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. in, particularly in a lot of sort of like Bogan areas where it's um, very much that sort of is who you are. Okay. Um, I think it's in those areas that there's a lot more trouble around it because they've now kind of lost their identity in a way because they can't be that really gruff, you know, aggressive, dominant. Man. Yeah. I mean, so you can this... be dominant in a nice way. Just yeah, to be clear, like I, sure. there's there's masculine men who are who are dominant, and you can you can have those roles. In a loving way, but I think the problem has been that for so long it wasn't in a loving way. The, it was just without I'm a man. any respect. Like, exactly, that's it, right? It, it's exactly. it's uh, yeah. You, look, you know, you can be uh, a caretaker, and and people mm. can assume you know the gender roles that they choose. Absolutely, because you know I, I go back to the movie Mona Lisa Smile, for yep. example, right? Yeah, where Julia Roberts. Yes. Yeah. So she was like, like, why would you uh, accept this? Yeah. You know, housewife yeah. position when you could go to law school. Yep. And it was her decision. I, and That's I, it. And I like the fact that it was her decision. That's it. But if somebody was telling her that she had to stay home, then that's a different story. That's it. But yeah, like, I mean, all I want to say is boo-hoo to these guys. I know. I know. <laughs> right now, thing. like, get over it. Yep. It's, it's been really bad. Well, we had right? a, a murder here. You lost your terrible identity. Yeah, well, but that's the thing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that's what massive backlash. Like, we oh. had, um, so just around the corner from where wow. we are right now, there was a murder of a comedian. It was a rape and murder of a comedian. She was walking oh, home, no. I think, about 2 a.m. or something. And it's the, the football fields that my kids play football on and everything is where yeah. it happened. And, and, and this sort of happened. And then um, a guy um, even defaced the memorial and all of that because they held, like, a vigil for her and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's been huge news. But that's the thing. There's been backlash on that because, well, women should be... Like, there was a bunch of men that came out that basically, like, women should get back in their boxes and uh, get back in the kitchen and that sort of stuff. And, and that's why I'm like, they I don't chose think... chose this opportunity this, to come out and, yep. and say this stuff? Yes, that, that was the point where they've gone... That's And so they're, it's... They're victim-blaming exactly, this, this murdered woman. Exactly. And with the whole Me Too oh, movement and everything like that, I'm like, that's like... Yeah, you're a bad timing. Exactly. Really, really the exactly. worst. <laughs> and that's, that's the so, thing. I think they don't have that proper shift. Me Too is international. It's yes. big. It's super big here. Oh, yeah. It's it, as, as it exposed uh, several Absolutely. Australian uh, terrible men. Yeah. yeah. Which, and, and it's good. Like, I'm so glad that that sort of thing is, is happening now oh, and that we're, we're seeing it and we're getting, yeah. we're, we have more choices. And it's, it's funny. I sit down with my daughter sometimes and watch some of the movies from when I was growing up yeah. and they're horrified. And these are meant to be comedy movies. And my daughter's like, that is not acceptable. Uh, like and, Sixteen Candles like, or things well, like that. Well, I haven't watched that one yet, but yeah. But you, you know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the, yeah, taking advantage yep. of drunk women, that kind of thing. or All that sort of like, stuff. Or yeah. even just like a guy like slapping a girl or grabbing her or whatever. And like we were watching Clueless. Yeah. And one of the guys leans over Cher and like gives her a kiss. And Melee's like, Melee's my daughter. She's like, why is he doing that? They're not boyfriend and girlfriend. He should back off. No consent. And exactly. <laughs> and I've just gone, Awesome. Wow. I, love, I love that she's yeah. just, you know, and that this is well, obviously, this is these are the kind of children you want to bring yes, up. Yes, absolutely what you want and the positivity and then in terms yeah. of so 
in terms of the, the personal finance, are you do you write about like you know taking charge, or do you uh, is that like what you talk about too? Yeah, or, yeah. As, as uh, uh, women, Definitely. or just like uh, maybe on your own. <laughs> yeah, I I write well? a lot about like single mom finances, but also about like women having their own money and things such as like I've written about how to get the money to leave an abusive relationship okay, that can oh, be a really okay, big yeah. barrier for a lot of people but yeah, but yeah I really focus on that and I wrote I wrote one recently about how to be a millionaire even as a single mom mm-hmm. and that was interesting because quite a few women were like what and I was like well it's compound interest <laughs> it's really basic like you can be a millionaire by the time you retire provided you're putting away regularly sure. and it's, it, just automate it and it's fine sort of thing and it was so many women were just like oh I'd never thought of that I was like, you you don't need to rely on a guy or your husband or anything. And it's interesting. I am seeing a shift in a lot of the Facebook groups I'm in okay. around personal finance where a lot of women are now becoming more aware of the finances and choosing to have those conversations. And there's a book here called The Barefoot Investor. Yeah. So Scott Pape. I've heard of this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's hugely popular at okay. the moment. It's like Dave Ramsey. Okay. Same sort of concept sort of thing, but for an Australian audience. And that has helped shift a lot of conversations and made a lot of people more aware of their finances and what they should be doing and how to set it up. And I think for a lot of women, they've sort of just gone, oh, he's really bad with money, actually. Not Scott Pape, to be clear, their partner is really yeah. bad with money yeah. or something like that. And they're, they're making these changes and having the conversations, which is something that I think, you know, even 10 years ago wasn't that common. But we want to empower everyone. Exactly, exactly. Like, not the, like, like, I'm not good with money is, is a common, probably yes. you hear this probably all, oh, all the, the time, time right? All the time. Yeah. And from women or men or, yeah. or whoever, and that's, it's not actually true, is it? When no. You, when you drill down and, and talk to them. I think for a lot of people, they just haven't been taught how to manage their money. Mm-hmm. Or there's issues with, you know, people wanting instant gratification. That sort oh, of thing. That's so big. It's, it's huge. And it's, it's interesting watching my daughters and teaching my daughters and seeing them and how they talk with their friends at school because of what I've said to them and how I'm getting my daughters to manage their money and that. But the thing with finances is you can automate so much of it. That's right. You don't actually have to put in the effort and you can have it done before the money even hits your account. And this is what I say to people often who are like, oh, I'm so bad with money. It's like, well, have your payroll, take, you know, 10 or 20% of your pay pay straight away and have it put into savings. So, you know, like automate that. There are apps and everything that can automate having you um, invest in shares and all that sort of stuff. Like you don't actually have to think about that. Increase your superannuation. It decreases your tax here in Australia, like your taxable income. I said, you know, increase your retirement payments and all that sort of stuff. Do all of that. And then whatever hits your account is what you work with. And then if you're really bad with that money, well, whatever. What's the worst, yeah. You're still investing and saving elsewhere. You blew it on something, but you're covered. Exactly. Yeah, that's like, these are the basics. It is. You know, it's what I like to do is teach the basics. Because... You're right. The investments and all that—it's—it's it's all automatic. It is. It's, it's you like the—it's it like the—it's like the five-minute end of the conversation is okay. Now, what do I do with this money? Yeah. The first, you know, uh, fifty-five minutes of an hour is talking about uh, where's the money, what are you doing, That's you know, it. where's it coming from, That's and it. where's it going. Mm. That's and people skip over that. They think that that's not important. They—they no. they say I have two hundred dollars a month to put in this, and I ask them. Uh, how do you know that? Yes. Where does that number come from? Yeah. Well, it's whatever's left in the bank or, you know, I know. It's, uh, yeah, well, but if you need that money for something That's else. It. Something always comes up. You know, and yeah. That's <laughs> what, it. what's your policy on uh, uh, like emergency funds and stuff like that? Oh, definitely have one. Well, you would have, have probably been able yeah. to use it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used mine a couple of yeah, times yeah. Um, over the years. But yeah, I'm, I'm adamant that everybody should have an emergency fund. Mm. I think it's really important. And even if you're paying off debt or whatever, like get that one or two thousand dollars first. In Australia, I really recommend that it be two thousand. Even before you start putting money on on debt. On your debt, yeah. Because debt can still be serviced, uh, you know, with minimum payments. That's it. When it, but when an emergency comes up, you you're might need a couple of thousand thousand uh, dollars, and maybe you exactly. have debt that's not reaccessible. Maybe exactly. it's a, a loan you're paying down that you that's can't it. put any more money on. That's it. And so people, you're right. Though people do 
tend to, I'm going to just like up my mortgage payments or I'm going to crush, yeah. yeah, crush this debt and without an emergency fund. And then they're like, well, I just put all this money on and now I have to what get I a do? new or exactly. have an unused credit card Yes, at 20% or It ends or up whatever. going on the credit card or they get, um, do you have pay- payday loans? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, payday shocked. loans. The, do you know the stat? What are the what are the what's the cost of a payday loan here? Do you know the stats? Uh, I don't know the actual stats, but I know that one tried to hit me up to advertise recently, sure, yeah. and their interest rate was forty eight point nine percent. Yeah, and I've just gone, oh, and the setup fees and all this sort of stuff, which would just be added to the loan, so it's fine. I've just gone, no, oh. you you're gutting these people. Like you are taking everything they have, so, and yeah. they're never going to pay that <laughs> off ever. Yeah, never. Uh, I mean, credit cards you never pay off, but yeah. uh, payday loans uh, in Canada, mm. it's been reduced recently to. Uh, in my province, uh, eighteen dollars per hundred. Yep. Right. Uh, uh, done a two-week loan. Right. Yep. And if that's revolving, that's eighteen dollars. So that, that's that's eighteen percent mm. every two weeks, which uh, works out to be about six hundred percent. Crazy. Annually, annual interest. Right. Yeah. So if you're comparing it, it's just. Um, it's just ridiculous when you, you just, think you about can't it. Do it. And it's, it's and it's preying on the people. When I lived in the lower socioeconomic area, there were so many people there that were like, "I'll just get a payday loan for it or whatever." And I was oh. going, "You're living on welfare right now. Yeah. You you can't afford to live. You get that loan. Like, what are you going to do?" And they're like, "Oh, later I'll just declare bankruptcy." Okay. That's not how you live. No, I mean, it, it, the you know, I went through a, a near bankruptcy. Mm. It's called consumer proposal in, okay. in Canada. I don't know if you have something similar, but. Mm. You know, because I was right at the tail end of my gambling yep. addiction, and, and it was my last option. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm never going to get out of this. I got to figure this out. This mm. proposal is the best thing for me. Mm. You don't go in planning a, a no, bankruptcy. No, that's it. I'm like, I'm I'm all for it. Like if that if that ends up being where you're at, and that's what you you have to do, sort of thing. It's like anything. You do what you have to do at the time, sort of thing. You don't pre-plan. No. To do something that is almost like it's like your last resort type thing. You don't pre-plan that. <laughs> you know, it reminds me. My dad's a dentist. Uh, he was a dentist for forty-five oh, yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, he's retired now. But there were we grew up in a mining town. Yeah. And there would be these guys who would be like. I'm not going to brush my teeth and oh. uh, just one day like, hey, doc, pull out all my teeth. Yeah. Well, well this is your plan? Yeah. Like, how about, you, can, you can just brush your teeth. I know, I know. Just, I was like, br- it, just it, take care of yourself. It's so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, oh, the, yeah. like financial wellness, uh, mental health and all this. Yep. Like, you must have to really focus on physical, mental mm. wellness to be able to do all of this stuff that you're Absolutely. doing and have the girls and stuff. Like, because if, you know, it's, let's say like you were exhausted because mm. you were malnourished or yeah. whatever. And or if you had mental health issues, that wouldn't uh, no. work. So like, yeah, and it like, all ties in, like your, your physical health. I find when I'm healthier and I'm active and I'm going to the gym or whatever, yeah. my finances all increase it's drastically. It's all connected, right? And it's funny because so for, when I first moved here and, um, you know, it wasn't obvious that we were here yet and everything was on the down low and that I wasn't exercising really and I was eating bad and my finances really suffered too because yeah. I just wasn't, I was bleh about everything. That's right. And so once I sort of, you know, especially this year, I've noticed it significantly because I'm single again this year, so... And yeah, it's just like focusing on myself, focusing on what my daughters want, focusing on my health and all of that. And the income has massively increased. Okay. And I've just gone, this is amazing. And I was trying to pinpoint exactly what it is that I've done differently or whatever. And I've just gone, oh, I focused on my health. Like that it's was so, a focus for me so this simple, year. Right? And then everything else has really fallen into place. And it's, and I think too, because you know, when you're working out and eating well and that you have more energy to do everything. And I know my daughters are calmer when, you know, I'm more calm. And when I start my day that way, my whole day is better. And, you know, and it's just, you're, you're more of a, a role model yeah. for, for your daughters, for anybody who's watching and listening, yeah. 
right? Like you said early on, you're writing about personal finance, but yeah. but you're you're homeless. Yes, right. That was so hard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's something that you could do based on your experience. You mm. can control it, but but you're right. It's it's less of a like. And now, if somebody came to your to your house to interview you, yeah, <laughs> I don't have a house, so it, it's uh, it's more of a once everything is together, it it's. Yeah. You could walk down the street and people can feel it. It's like it's emanates from you, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I, I do feel that. Yeah. I feel, yeah. And I feel like that's important that we live our lives in that way. Absolutely. And uh, like a lot of people who've been through what you've been through mm. would be, would have continued to wallow in it. Yeah. Or try to, I don't know, uh, the suicide get handouts or go back. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Try to end it, of course. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was. I, you know, I never thought about suicide for some reason. I uh, did. I, I, you, you, you were, you're in a much deeper situation than I was. You know, I, I hated my life uh, yeah. being uh, an addict and having undiagnosed uh, mm. attention deficit disorder was my, All right, yes. my story. And I just, I was like, I, I'm not me. I don't understand. Mm. My, mine was uh, like an internal struggle and mm. not affected by others trying yeah. to hurt me you know yeah. I, so I can't relate to what you're going through but we all have we all have our struggles in different ways say, right we, we do and I it's think all we relative. all have different resilience yeah. levels and that sort of thing as well which means that even though mine you know is, is traumatic obviously or whatever for me it never feels like it's more than what somebody else has faced like whatever their challenge was yeah. is, is their challenge and that's what they had to face whether it's you know like a marriage breakdown or you know health issues or uh, addictions I mean addictions are really hard my grandmother it's was tough. a gambling addict yeah. and my grandfather was an alcoholic and so I saw it firsthand through both of them and so I avoided both like alcohol and, and gambling and that mm-hmm. sort of thing I mean more being Mormon held with that but yeah, but yeah, yeah seeing that true. and it is it is and that could be like a lifelong battle, whereas I sort of feel like mine was really intense for a short period of time. Yes. But it's not like I had to live with that constantly. And, and I think also it being external influences was in some ways easier because then it was those things were outside my control. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it yeah. wasn't my responsibility. It wasn't my fault. I mean, like, no, that, that, it, I guess yeah. that's a good point. And, and I, I guess I had to get there too with mm. like, I didn't do this to myself mm. for addiction or, or even mental health issues. Mm. Yeah. You have to get over the, the, the regret and the guilt, Absolutely. right? Especially if you had guilt uh, over what's happening to your, your daughters, it. which that's I'm it. sure yeah. was at the time, oh, you huge. know, like uh, I, it's not your, your control, but like, it's not definitely not under no, their exactly. control. They haven't done anything. That's you haven't it. done anything. Nobody's done anything. Everyone's doing stuff to you. Yeah. And like, if somebody was going through like something similar, you know, or even close to what you went through hmm. right now, like, what what would you want them to just keep in their head? Like, what what did what kept you going? So my daughters obviously were first and yes. foremost for everything. Yeah. But I had a quote: "I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become." By Carl Jung. Okay. And I would repeat that over yeah. and over and over I, I remember laying on my bathroom floor curled up sobbing mm-hmm. my heart out because of how bad the circumstances were and I would repeat that in my head because I, I needed that to be true like I need that quote to be true I needed to believe yeah. that my current circumstances were not going to dictate my future that and so I actually had it stamped on a, on a cuff that um nice. yeah a silver cuff to wear okay. everywhere it got stolen um <laughs> that is I, I don't know the irony there is I, know, uh, like, I, I had three quotes oh my god I can't believe Gone. Although this one turned up recently. Wow. Um, the I'm not what happened to me one. But yeah, having that, I put affirmations absolutely everywhere around my house mm. and I change them regularly. I wrote my goals in permanent marker on my mirrors. It comes off with like Windex. I assume you have Windex. <laughs> yeah, um, we but do. like, you know, window cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sort of thing. But it was like focusing on where I was, I knew I would be. Mm-hmm. And understanding that what was happening was, is it's a phase. It's a phase of your life. Yeah. And as awful as it is, 
it, it will pass and that it's okay to get help. I was too proud at the time to let most people know what was going on or get sure. any help. When we're in it, it's hard to talk about it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I, I look back now and I'm like, I wish, I wish I had uh, just swallowed my pride and gone and gotten some help from some of the charities and that sort sure. of thing, because it would have made it so much easier for my daughters and I. And so it's, it's that, it's looking at what helps available, accepting the help that's available, recognizing what you can and can't control, and then focusing on what you can control and working really hard on that. So I, I at the time I was able to control how could I earn more money? Yep. Like I could do that. I could control what my daughters and I did in our time. I could control uh, what I did exercise wise, what I ate, that sort of stuff. And so I sort of, I, I focused on those things and uh, really tried to just not think about the rest. And there's a little technique that I do even now whenever um, I get a little bit down on things such as child custody and, and that sort of stuff that yeah. we're caught over. Even just this week I had to do it where if I can feel the really negative thoughts starting to, to come in, mm -hmm. I get out a notebook and I will write repeatedly what it is that I see um, it being like the positive outcome sort of thing. Yeah, and so yeah. I, um, you know, around custody, it's like I have full custody of Halia and Mele. I have full custody of Halia and Mele. And I've, I've sometimes had to write okay. that a hundred times. Wow. But by doing that, it's just like that's, it's sort of like that would form my reality. Yeah. And, and honestly, most of the time it, it works out that way, whatever it is. Sometimes it takes a little while, but it's, changing the thinking and also looking at I always view everything on how can I turn this into an opportunity or what are the positives that can come from this what can I be grateful for about yeah. this so even like the night I was robbed I sat down and I wrote a list of reasons I could be grateful for being robbed that night within Starting hours over, of losing everything it, yeah like yeah. a fresh start is that one of them exactly and it was yeah. like it was like well all the stuff that I had was most of it was from my marriage and now I can go shopping guilt-free with insurance money and I'm insured so that was a, a okay. positive and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I managed to come up with quite a few and it, it ended up being a huge blessing because the insurance money covered a lot of the therapy that my daughters needed for speech therapy and all that sort Interesting. of stuff. Interesting. And you might not have thought about selling your, you know, the jewelry no, well, that's from it. the past or the lingerie, exactly. which is so valuable. I know, I know. I just like <laughs> random. I'm like, I always wonder, I'm like, who like who where, ended up with that? Like who it? ended up with my stuff? It's not like you can look down the street and like that's hey, mine. That's exactly it's, it's one of those things that will always be hidden. But yeah, yeah obstacles to opportunity, right? Yeah. There's always a, a takeaway, always a positive takeaway from something. That's it. Whatever you whatever you go through, and, and that's it. yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes it might be a lesson, so it might not feel like a positive. But I mean, the lessons ultimately are yeah positive in the end so you're speaking whenever all the yeah. time yeah. so people can go to kylietravers.com.au yeah to yeah. find out you know if usually in australia or yeah. anywhere mostly in australia i have done like international speaking a bit yeah. but, um, like because my daughters or, yeah. yeah yeah because my um my daughters can't travel at this moment when i'm not doing too much internationally gotcha. yeah um, yeah, so it's mostly in Australia at the moment, but I sometimes have video of the presentations that I do and that sort of thing, or of otherwise course, I do yeah. Skype sessions sometimes. Yeah, there's a couple of videos already on YouTube. Yeah. So, and then kaliecharges.com to au and, and then the, the... The thrifty issue. Thrifty issue. The yeah. thrifty issue. Yeah. .com .au. Those are your... They're the your, two main ones. Your two I, main websites. Yeah. And so you're, yeah. are you a major writer on uh, thrifty or, or is it you and others? I've had, I do have other writers that can write yeah. on there, but it's predominantly me. I have a team that does, um, like, that helps out in the background sort of thing. So just putting everything but, together, social yeah. media and everything yeah. too, I imagine. But um, most of the articles, yeah, I write because I'm really fussy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and no, I think we too, want our brand to, yeah, ex exactly, exactly. I get exactly. It. And I'm very clear on what I, what I want to write on there. I'm not always super consistent, but it's, it's mostly me. And I like to test everything that I'm writing about. And I want yeah. people to know that it, it's, it's coming from me. I want that authenticity. I originally, I bought that website um, and planned on flipping it because I flip websites sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I really liked it and the community was really awesome. And so then I had to 
um, and then when I was getting asked to do media stuff, it was like, well, actually, I'm the one that owns it. <laughs> and <laughs> this is the face behind it. And it was, it was always for two years I had it without people knowing it was me or, okay. or that sort of thing. And I had different writers at that time, but now it's all predominantly my writing. So people can go there and find out about... Way too much about my personal life. All about you and all <laughs> about money, money. How and I spend it, how we I need budget. To, yeah, we need to yeah. just keep talking about this stuff. So That's people, it. It's about empowerment. It's about financial literacy. Yeah. It's about just taking control of your life yeah well that's a big part of it it's it's for me the goal for all of it and on kylie travis i focus a lot on welfare and helping people get off welfare and 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 get around that and that sort of thing um but it it really has been about empowering people through financial independence is is the motivation behind all all that i do and it's got a huge female focus because i'm female and i'm a single mom but at the same time too i try to really have that balance with what i do and with males and that sort of thing as well. I don't, I don't no, want, ever want males to feel excluded. No, and yeah. don't worry about us. Uh, it's all pink. It's all pink. <laughs> the uh, people need more positive role models. There's been uh, so many uh, white male or uh, just male role models yeah. for so long, and it's it's time to get a little more diverse, diversity yeah. going on, right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, don't worry about those guys who don't have their identity and they lost their identity. They'll, they're going to figure it out. They'll, it will. It will. It'll be I just fine. It'll be interesting um, over the next few years. They'll have to eat it for a little bit, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah. th- th- this was really great, Kylie. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for coming and talking to me. Thanks for having me. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can subscribe to podcasts. If you're already a subscriber, please let me know what you think of the show. You can email me at bo at bohumphreys.com or tag me on Twitter at bohumphreys. It would be nice to know who's out there and who's listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Personal Finance Show. Next week, my Australian personal finance series continues with Bessie Hassan, the head of PR Australia at finder.com.au.